This is O Ship, the show where experts and leaders look back at their biggest moments of failure just so you can avoid making them. And there is no one better to squeeze the naked truth out of our charismatic guests than your host, Chameleon Collective Founding Partner, Freddie Laker. Hey everyone, welcome to another week of O Ship. This week, I have my friend Rob Noble joining us. I've known Rob for quite a while. He and I met during the process and creation of an industry trade group for the digital advertising world called Soda. He was one of the original OG members of that. As a fellow Brit and a fellow eccentric entrepreneur, uh, we hit it off uh, marvelously. He has done incredible things in his career. He's currently the CEO of a group called Group of Humans, which you'll hear more about today. He was the co-founder and CEO of an agency called A Great Fridays, which he sold to EPAM. He was the co-founder of a group called Lightmaker, which is when I originally met him back in the day. These are incredible, uh, absolutely leading edge creative groups. Frankly, I was with him the night uh, that he found out that he had sold Great Fridays to EPAM. I don't think my wife has ever forgiven me for that night. I think we got home at about 6.37 in the morning. And uh, so we're, he and I are bonded in blood and uh, getting in trouble with our, with our missus. He's also the kind of guy uh, that during the pandemic is going off and doing things like creating entire uh, charitable groups like Caregiven, which help bring PPE to the front lines you know, with all, the, all those people that are really making a difference in, in, in looking after all of us during this crazy pandemic. But with all this experience I have with him, I actually found out something new about him that I'd never heard before. And that is that his father was in the farming world and that he was being raised and groomed to be effectively a, a farmer. And I was so blown away by this that uh, combined with my recent love of, of Jeremy Clarkson's, uh, Clarkson's Farm, which you have, if you haven't heard about it, is definitely worth a peek on Amazon Prime. Uh, and kind of goes through this city slicker, if you will, who gets his first experience with farm life. And what's so amazing about Clarkson's Farm is it it really helps people to understand who really don't know anything, like me, to some extent, uh, and know about the farming world. It really, really helps, I think, everyday people to understand uh, the impact of that. And what I found so interesting, and I think you're going to find so interesting about today's episode is that those same kind of lessons that I feel like uh, you might be able to get through Clarkson's form, you know, Rob has also been applying the same kind of, let's call it like farm philosophy to his own life. And you're going to learn all about that on today's episode of OSHIP as we explore farming for the future. Rob, welcome to O'Ship. Good afternoon. Good morning, Freddie. How are you, mate? Doing great. So wh- where are you uh, calling in from today? I'm calling in from my little old farm in England now, as I moved back from Miami, as you know, in September. So um, yeah, here in Berkshire, just near Henley-on-Thames. You know, I knew that Rob had moved back to, to the UK. I, I didn't actually realize he was fully on a farm until we were catching up before the show. My favorite moment was when he talked about, he goes, sometimes I have to run from this barn to this barn to catch a meeting really quickly. I was like, man, this is this is really going to be a proper show about farming today. We're going all in on, on farm life. I'd like to add, I have no arable crops or livestock, but I'd have the, you know, the nice part of the farm, the barn and the land. 
you know, yeah. So. <laughs> you know, uh, Rob, I talked a little bit about you and your background at the beginning of the show, but I want to make sure I did it, it full justice. Could you, you know, tell our audience a, a little bit about how you kind of got your start? And I think we're going to obviously navigate how that's evolved throughout the show. But I, I, this, you know, this kind of farming origin story that was even new to me, I think would be would be a great place to start the show. Yeah, I guess you know I grew up in Norfolk, and for those of you uh, in the USA, that is a very arable part of England. It's the bump of England on the uh, on the east coast, very flat land and um, and perfect for crops. Uh, but my father is an agronomist, so uh, a crop doctor. I think you're going to need to define that one. I don't know if I've got agronomist uh, uh, in my uh, dictionary. So, <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's a crop doctor. It's somebody who um, you know uh, goes out, looks at the crops, and determines what fertilizers and what care it needs to flourish. Uh, but no, my dad was in that world, and you know it wouldn't be uncommon for me in my teenage years, thirteen, well, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, to in the summer holiday be dropped off in a field and have to walk many hundreds of hectares in a W shape to collect soil samples that my father then took back to the laboratory and had tested for the right kind of nutrition and ingredients that that soil needed to grow the right crops. So I spent many, many summers walking fields and, and making my dad's fields the right kind of field for the crop he was putting in it. And, you know, you and I have kind of joked uh, many a time uh, that, uh, you know, how I, I basically spent my, my childhood uh, being groomed to be an air- airline CEO. Uh, <laughs> and, and so I think, you know, I didn't, I didn't end up going down that path, uh, you know, as my father wanted me to do. Sounds like, uh, obviously, you didn't go down the path. Your father wanted you to go down. No, uh, you know, I mean, at school, I was good at art and maths, right? And, and that wasn't really a combination subject. So, you know, I went off to agricultural college at the age of 17 and I uh, lived on the farm. It was a, you know, it's a real farm you know, with pigs and cows and horticulture and sheep and the whole works. And, you know, I did um, a business and finance agricultural degree, learned about all things farming uh, with a notion of going into that industry. I have to distress this for anyone who's listening or watching right now. Rob is a certifiable digital genius wizard, you know, just someone I really, really, really admire. So it's just really hard to kind of imagine that that was where you, your your background comes from. This is 1992, Freddie. This, you know, this is pre really the internet. So I think yeah. the internet being born was my savior in the sense that I was able to, you know, change career paths and follow my passion, which is, yeah. you know, I look at the internet as being art and maths, mate. Um, and, uh, you know, being able to do those two things I was really good at and love has been a blessing, really. And, and you know, that farming world, uh, I still look back on, you know, I think it's, uh, it's kind of interesting to me that I run this group now that, you know, sustainability and climate and the environment is really at the top of our agenda of things we want to work with. And we're being approached by vertical farming technology entities and agri, you know, startups to help them because the farming world is catching up. You know, the bandwidth is there. Living on a farm 10 years ago, and even sometimes when I go to Norfolk to my parents, you know, the internet isn't your friend. You don't get on it that often. Uh, but, you know, it's becoming more connected. So um, it was, yeah, um, it, for me, it's kind of coming full circle. You know, I've done all 25 years of working with digital and now I can do it, you know, in the world that my father um, wanted me to work in originally. First, I'm glad that I think you're still, uh, your parents are still around and you're able to go go see them uh, up, in, up in North England. So that's wonderful for starters. How does your dad uh, react to the, your kind of 
you know, a, a kind of incredible career in the internet and digital world out of interest. Well, the funny thing is, Dad, you know, Dad's a gadget man, so he has every gadget, but doesn't know how to work any of them. So I'm always the guy that's taught him how to work all those gadgets. You know, I think any good son does that. You know, when he calls me with a thing, it'll always be, just can you help me figure this out? You know, whether it's a new car and he can't work out how to lower the suspension or, you know, uh, he can't access some device or computer. I think he's quite happy I went down that world because it helps him, ultimately, because, you know, I'm pretty au fait with all of the things that he can't work. But, you know, uh, it's, I think he's fascinated by the fact of how quickly I can pick up what's taken him 40 years to get his head around, uh, that I kind of, you know, with data and sort of uh, the technical view of the world that we've been lucky to experience can kind of summarise the agricultural business quite quickly and understand, you know, how technology can help it um, and design can help it. So, um, yeah, he's, I think hopefully he's proud of where I've got to, even though at the beginning he was like, what? What's the internet? Why would you go there? One of the things that inspired this conversation between us is we've both been watching, uh, you know, Jeremy Jeremy Clarkson's Clarkson Farm, and, and again, for those of you, you know, that, that don't know Jeremy Clarkson, you may have somehow missed it. It's had Top Gear, which I'm pretty sure is the biggest TV show in in, in the world. You know, it's a guy who spent the last twenty plus years driving around in you know million dollar supercars, and then he spends a year on this farm. Uh, that he happened to own and his general manager or, you know, his, his farm manager basically quit. And he said, no big deal. I'll just go step in uh, and take over this farm for a year. And that, you know, I'm, I'm a big child. I can do it. No problem. You know, we don't want to kind of ruin the, the punchline of, of, you know, how it ends for him. But needless to say, it's, it's a, it's a really fascinating story. I've been watching it and, and worth noting, my sister owns a farm in, in Northern Florida. My, my father, uh, also, uh, you know, had forms, but this is long before I was, you know, it's not something I really lived in day to day. So I'm exposed to it, but not on the kind of level, you know, you are, Rob. And one of the things that I, I really enjoyed in our chats was you talking about how some of these things have really inspired you and that there actually are these kind of direct correlations between what you can take away from farm life and apply to, you know, kind of the traditional business world, which is really what, you know, a lot of where our audience comes from. And I, and I guess I'd just love to hear, you know, if any of those lessons that you can you can share. Yeah, I mean, Clarkson's Farm is brilliant. You know, the first thing that it made me think of was how I started out in 1994, 95 with the web and not really knowing what I was doing. It's kind of how Clarkson turns up on the farm on the first day. You know, he bought a Lamborghini tractor because he'd driven Lamborghinis. The worst tractor you can put on an arable farm is a Lamborghini tractor because they're absolutely massive. You know, it's the same as going and buying, you know, I don't know, the biggest screen, which wasn't really necessary, or uh, the wrong software. He just, he, he, he literally had no idea. But I have a 55 inch computer monitor. Am I Jeremy Clarkson? Is that where you're like, <laughs> you're playing a giant screen? What kind of idiot would buy a giant screen? And I like silently hang my head in shame. Well, I have one in front of me now as well, Freddie. But that's, you know, you know, back in 1994, people have thought, why would you drop 15,000 pounds on a giant screen? You know, they're not 500 quid like they are today. Clarkson went and bought a £700,000 Lamborghini tractor, yeah. right? You yeah, know, yeah. and it just kind of, you know, it made me think some of the things I've carried with me from farming, you know, focus is everything. And in, in, in agricultural college, you had to think about which discipline you wanted to take on. So you did a practical side of it and you did the kind of business and finance side of it. And the practical side of it, you'd have sheep and cows and pigs and horticulture, right? Cows, you had to get up the earliest for 4 a.m., not for me. 
Next was sheep. The only good thing about sheep for me was lambing season because that's when the babies came out. The rest of the year, it's kind of a smelly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you know, it was nice. That was a good. But it lasted for a month, so it wasn't a long enough enjoyment period for me. And pigs never really got in with the pigs. They were a bit aggressive. Yeah, they're kind of cute when they come out, but they can be little nasty things. So I ended up in horticulture because you got up at ten a.m. Quite frankly. It's where most of the females were, being brutally honest. So that was good. And, uh, you know, at that time, you know, marijuana was a um, substantial part of my life uh, as a, you know, 17-year-old, long-haired, you know, wannabe farmer. So, uh, you know, I ended up in the horticultural part of the world. And I guess, you know, that, that you know, when I think about the focus I've had in my career, you know, like maker, we were laser-focused on being brilliant at one thing, and that was flash, right? And I think we succeeded in doing that because we ended up working on the flash UI, and I'm working on Adobe products after Macromedia was acquired. You know, I worked with their XD team. We were so good at Flash that we did the first deployment of Flash on mobile phones in Seoul with Adobe, right? We, we were so focused, but we became so good at that, that particular tool. Real merit, and in, in, I feel like in this world, especially if you're in an external firm, expertise is everything. And, you know, experts, true experts is what people are looking for. A lot of times people hire generalists within their own firm but when they looked outside support, they, they're really looking for hardcore specialists. And I, yeah, I, can, yeah. I can really identify with you if you're thinking around a focus. Yeah, it's also, I think, around passion, right? So I understood, I still had to do, you know, work with the cows and the pigs and the sheep. But horticulture as well, I was able to, you know, spend the majority of my, my studying uh, while I was doing the, you know, the business and finance. But again, it was just, just reflecting on watching Clarkson's farm and the challenges he had. Where I ended up, I didn't do you know, all the other jobs that Clarkson had to do on that farm. I did, you know, the one role, which was looking after, you know, the farm planning and, and the finances and the funding. And, and that, that's what I enjoyed the most. And, you know, as I progressed into the design world, you know, I love design, but I realized when I went amongst the best and, you know, when I started my career with Lightmaker, I had some amazing designs. I was nowhere near good enough, right? So the only way that I could work with these with these creative people was, was to be the guy that looked after the numbers and and and, and brought brought the work to the to the to the group and and helped to create a culture with them. I thoroughly thoroughly enjoy being around creative people, and the only way for me to do that was to to be that business and finance guy. And it, it similarly was the same at agricultural college. You know, that's that's where I was strongest. And you know, the practical side of it, I think, really important as well to know it all, to be aware of it. You know, it's very hard to pull the wool over someone's eyes who did like one of the first internet degrees as I did, you know, having left agricultural college and pivoted when the internet was born into doing a media technology course, as it was called in 1993, it was, was, was interesting. So I think the multiple, multiple disciplines we get in our digital world, you know, is very, in the farming world is very similar as well. You need skilled people to do those roles specifically. And you probably need someone above that who understands them all, but you know, just enough. Just enough. I didn't think I'd actually have something big to contribute in this in this farming <laughs> theme, but I, I do actually have a farming lesson that I got this morning. And so I know you might ask, how will I get a farming lesson this morning for a guy that lives in South Florida? And some of you who've been watching this ship for a while know about my saga with my ducks. So for those of you who haven't heard, I basically saved these, uh, this, this uh, mother duck on my property, got killed, sadly. Uh, I rushed off to get an incubator to put her eggs in this incubator, not really understanding in full honesty what I had signed myself up for, and then had seven ducks uh, that I've been you know, raising since, since birth. And they're about two weeks away from being able to fly 
And they're getting big, which means they're making an absolute mess of the property. And so today I had to, I got up really early, put them out back and I pushed them out on the other side of my fence. And, uh, and I'm, I'm trying to encourage them to go out on the lake on their own. So they, so they survive and, and, you know, I need to get them to be independent. And I would say that the lesson that I would take about this is I think as a leader, it's really, really important that you have to be able to encourage people to stand on their own two feet. You need, you need to be able to uh, be able to step back for your team. And no matter how much you may be trying to nurture talent, I think as a leader, it's super important to get be hands off and let people sink or swim on their own, on their own merit at some point. I think I've seen you do that in your own, in your own leadership. Uh, but today, far, farmer, farmer Fred, the duck herder, is that even the right word? Duck shepherd. Duck shepherd. Yes. Duck shepherd. I like that. Uh, uh, you know, I, I have my own kind of, uh, you know, nur- nurturing form lesson this morning. <laughs> It's funny, man. You know, at, at agricultural college, as you know me, I, I do like a beer. I ran the bar at the college because it was the social, you know, it was the place where everybody came to and you would learn so much about everybody else's discipline. So, you know, I was, I'd was i much rather speak to a pig farmer at the bar than actually have to go to the pig farm. To get my knowledge, and similarly with the sheep farming, you know, I didn't have to actually set foot anywhere near those places, yet still get the knowledge. Again, taking that sort of theme forward, knowing your teams is something I've always had. You know, finding that moment and, and, you know, in light making my first company, we would go to the pub at 2.30 on a Friday. And, you know, that was part of the culture of, of, of a 90 zeros company. You know, in Great Fridays, it was named after the fact that we lost that in light as we got bigger. You know, as we got bigger, you know, it became much, much harder to have those earlier finishes on a Friday. And, and Great Fridays was really a, a, a nod back to the days that we did that. And it was important. And so in Fridays, I bought everybody's lunch all in all the offices. You know, we had four studios, two in America, two in the UK, and I would make sure that the bar tab was covered wherever they went for a beer after work. And because you get to know your people better in an environment where they're relaxed and you remove the titles and the and that kind of office environment for something more casual, and I think that's really important. I'm, I'm intrigued. I had uh, I, Last week, we had Stephen Moy from Barbarian Group, and we were talking about how, how culture has evolved in professional services businesses, specifically in, in this case, agencies. So you made a reference a second ago to the kind of like, hey, you know, that that's kind of how it went, especially in England, I think, uh, you know, in the summer, I, you know, I was at an agency in London in the summer, Fridays, you know, it was kind of a, at a good day was a half a day. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and it just kind of the whole office just kind of cleared out and everyone was fine with it because we were so thankful for the good weather. How do you get to know your people now? Especially, you know, you like like me, you know, group of humans is a virtual business. You guys have never had a, a physical office, as far as I know, right? Same, same as us. How many years have you been doing group of humans now, Rob? We're three years old next week, actually. That's exciting, uh, man. Uh, <laughs> happy, happy, happy birthday to a group of humans. <laughs> but, you know, how, how do you find that building a culture has, has changed for you? Well... You know, I would say in a distributed team or community, as I call it, and, 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 and to language-wise, distributed means you don't have an office. Remote means you do. You have somewhere to go to. You're working remote from it. And community versus network, I differentiate because community gives you the sense of values and culture and things you stand behind. And a, and a network is just a group of nodes. I agree. Yeah, couldn't agree more. That's a really nice way of phrasing it, by the way. I might nick that. So, <laughs> distributed community. You have to 10x your communication. You thought you, I thought I had to when I moved from when I first opened my first office in America in 2005. 
you know, that was a big challenge, having two locations. A, a wise man, a guy called Andreas Preuss, who was the CEO of the European Stock Exchange at the time, said to me, that your biggest challenge with communication. And it's even more so in distributed communities. You have to figure out a cadence of communication and also where people want to be communicated to. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, when you want a, a group like mine, they're, they're practitioners, they can work independently of the humans and they can work within the collective of the humans, okay? Mm -hmm. um, so sometimes they may be on a program of their own accord and they don't check into the tools as much as uh, they mm -hmm. need to. Um, so I will, I will do things, for example, like I'll do a four-minute video every Friday that, that says what's gone on this week. It's just a news flash in case you missed the email or the Slack channel or whatever. You know, so they'll, they, they get reliant upon that update so they can just get their little snapshot of four minutes if they're not. One less meeting everyone all has to have in a world of meeting fatigue. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Secondly, you know, I do an all-hands every month. You probably do the same. Uh, where we all come together, I speak for 15 minutes, then we have a guest speaker. Um, and there'll be somebody amazing. You know, I think I had Bruno Marg, who, you, you know, Dal from Dalton Marg, the typographer speak a couple of, a couple of weeks ago. They all took, it was like a TED talk on typography, you know, to, to the, it was amazing. My friend Paul Epworth was going to speak. He's a music producer. He wrote Skyfall with Adele. Um, he's won an Oscar. He's won Emmys. He's, you know, he's a, but he was going to talk about sonic branding and music and the importance of music in, in design um, as we move forward and in, in experiences. And having that kind of hook as well, but, you know, culturally, to your point, each of the groups, there's a city near them or an area near them where they can meet in when we were able through COVID to. If anyone does that, they can they can meet up in a group and put the put the bill forward. And I encourage that all the time. You talk for drinks and, and, and what have you. If I'm ever in town, obviously, I make sure that happens. Uh, but you have to work hard at it. And then similarly, you know, we've got groups that have developed within the community. So, you know, people are focused on service design or futures, which is a big one, you know, future services and, and and future thinking and patterns you know it's about 35 humans in that group they meet every monday you know and they've got their own kind of context they talk around so where, where, did, where did the group of humans name come from uh, i bought it in like oh three oh four um, is this thing you're like just a great domain name yeah no, right name. Name. Yeah, no i am um, yeah and uh, I, 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 love, I love the claim community collective was different but it's just a great a great domain name i've been sitting on for a long time and uh yeah, yeah I just did that a long time. It was nearly the name for Great Fridays. And um, yeah. it's funny, I, I, um, at the time, I was working with J.K. Rowling at the time, and Peter Gabriel was my investor. So two people who could write a word or two and knew a, a thing or two about naming things. And Peter wasn't a big fan of uh, the name Great Fridays. He liked the name Group of Humans. But Great Fridays kind of meant something to Matt and I, just as the journey we were on. I was speaking to J.K. Rowling live. I said, what do you think? She went, I love it. So we end up keeping Great Fridays and I held, held a group of humans back. It, it kind of works. It, it, that's what we are. We're a group of humans. So. Peter won out in the end. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. yeah I, I wonder if you could take the whole, you know, given the whole farming theme we've got here, could you just take this of like, if you had not gone internet, would your company be called like Flock of Sheep? Or... <laughs> I own Group of Apes. I bought a Group of Apes and I bought a Group of Humans and the idea that was going to be the research lab it doesn't kind of work. Yeah, definitely my farm would be down that road. <laughs> so so go, going back, you know, to the whole the whole kind of farm theme that we were going down before, we've talked about concepts like uh, focus being really important. Uh, you mentioned knowing your team, I think, being really, really important. Uh, you touched on the kind of, you know, practicalities of business as being a really interesting theme. Are there any other kind of things that you feel really connected to when you start thinking about these two worlds together? Well, sustainability and the environment and climate. 
I think that's a really interesting place to be able to play. And, you know, it's not, I don't think it's a surprise to the humans that we're being approached by some really interesting startups from that world, you know, um, and very well-funded um, startups from that world looking at agriculture. And, you know, if you were to say to the humans, what are the three things you'd like to work on the most? Sustainability would be up there in that top three. Climate would be another. And education would probably be the third. You know, um, they enjoy those things. And I think, again, back to Clarkson's farm, the learning he went through in a year and not spoiling it for everybody, but let's just say he doesn't go back to London, right? Throughout all the pain he goes through. He loved being back in there. And, you know, I'm out here in the country. I've spent seven years in near you in Miami on the water. And, uh, you know, it's a completely different lifestyle, but the climate really affected me. You know, hurricane season freaked me out every year. I evacuated five times in seven years. We, we, right? we don't like to use the H word until season's over. So uh, <laughs> I, 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 I understand. When you mention sustainability, this other, and you could tell me if this is rubbish or not, but there's this, this other side of it that I can't help but think about, which is that when you think about building healthy, sustainable businesses, whether that's building a brand that's meant to last a long time or just building a, a healthy company that you want to last longer than, you know, it's not, you're not just hammering something to extract all the money out of it or extract all the immediate uh, value out of it or all the lingo investor type shoes. But I think there's something really meaningful, like in the farming world, it's important that you care for your soil. I'm talking again, I'm, I'm not an expert in this, so this is just, you know, as I understand it, you know, you're, you care for the soil, you have to make sure that you can build you know your your you don't degrade the the health of the the fertility of the the crops and the land so that as you build a sustainable first it is it's good for the environment but you need to be able to do that to have longevity um is any of that kind of thinking also uh, not to point you in that direction but do you is, is that kind of connect with you at all or is it absolutely you know humans as a as a you know the brand we came up with the purpose of waste not waste not your time waste not mine waste not the planet right and waste not can be interpreted in different ways. You know, different humans look at it for different purposes. I'm 46 and I didn't want to waste the next 20 years of my life working with people that I didn't find interesting and that didn't challenge me. And the humans are definitely very challenging people. They're all very experienced, capable human beings. But, you know, going down that route of sustainability and, and how we bring the youth into the humans, we're looking at different ways of doing mentorship, for example. And, um, you know, I'm uh, working with a couple of the ladies within the team that have got a lot of experience in, in community development. Um, one of them, a lady called Ali Larry, who owns a community of female creatives, 75,000 strong. She's been doing it for 10 years. She's built an amazing community of females, right? And, and, and I, I reference her often when we're looking at that. So I didn't want to do this sort of, you know, the traditional mentor program that maybe a big network would do, you know, famously WPP, you know, kind of fund the new blood from DNAD and have the first dibs. And, you know, is that the right thing to do? I'd, I'd rather do something where we work with creative talent and that hasn't been able to be fortunate enough to go to a higher education or go to university. That's just really talented and find a way to walk around that. So, you know, sustaining the creativity of our group and, and, and letting it move on is kind of a, is a theme for me at the moment. And we're looking at different opportunities to be able to bring those, those kinds of people into our group. Similarly, around waste not, you know, the amount of money I've seen wasted in my career on programs that, that were just given up on because the right people weren't put in place and the right kinds of teams weren't put in place has been a big part of, of, of the humans as well. So I always say, let's put the smallest amount of people necessary on the program. The original agency model of put many people billable as possible and have, have a smaller bench as you can. And you only sell people that are on the bench. 
You know, we don't have a bench. It's, it's the same thing. That, that, that's why I feel like the whole model is so flawed when you've got a traditional agency or a traditional consultant firm. If you have all these people in kind of a traditional salary model, then you're like, I have to, I have to put these people to work, whether it's the right thing for the clients or not. Exactly. You look at what happened when the iPhone was built, when, when it came around, and how quickly and, and, and the lack of developers available for that platform and, and the surge of... Of that, and then you know, similarly with with, with the tablet, and, and you know, I guess now in in HTML, you know, in front end engineering, the skill sets and that, that are scarce, and it changes all the time. And it, you know, again, it goes back to, to farming in a way. The analogies are quite similar. You know, I, I always look at the end of years of businesses because that's where their spend happens. And if I can have you know a big client in each quarter, you know, I can have you know a sustainable role of of funding coming in. You know, you probably do the same in farming. You want to have crops that that, that that come in at different times. So you've got funding coming in or you've got other businesses. In Jeremy's case, he had a farm shop. He, he went down the road with livestock, not so successfully, which is quite funny. But, um, you know, um, he, he looked at different ways of making sure that he had funding coming through the year. And I think that sustainability is important. My job is to sustain. I always think to myself, God, I hope I don't mess this up. So I really do think the humans is, is a brilliant thing, right? And I panic about that. And I just said to them all, we, we, we met up in London on Friday, kind of local humans, about 10 or 15 of us. And I said, next, you know, we're three next week. And so I call that year zero. Because yeah. as you know, it takes three years to get your business so you understand what you built. Community collectors five and a half years in, and I do feel like it was about two two and years ago that everything, we really got it. Like, we're like, oh, whoa, this is interesting. <laughs> We've got like a, a unique thing that we're doing. And I don't think we even understood that in the beginning in all honesty well i was very lucky that 25 humans you know when i when i called them all and said i've got this idea you know you know i'm calling simon waterfall i'm calling i don't know chris clark and peter drake you know all these guys and girls that have been with me at different parts of my journey whether they've been my client or people i've respected or pitched against or whatever that i knew were independent practitioners and i said to them i've got this idea what do you think and they all kind of put their hand up and became part of it and why i think the other part is is knowing what they're good at. You know, the practitioners are good at practicing. They hate predominantly the hustle. They don't like looking for the opportunity uh, and managing that. And they don't necessarily like the accounting and and, and running of their own entities. Uh, and if I can help, you know, make that easier for them so they can focus on their passion, you know, go back to my practical and business side. I'm on the business side. They're on the practical side. But the two have to be in harmony. And, and that's kind of how it works on the farm. And, and again, not to... I hope Clarkson's Farm give us a little bit of a snippet for the promotion we're doing for them, Freddie. <laughs> I was just thinking to myself, I challenge any podcast <laughs> web series out there to have more farm analogies than we do in business. No one will touch us. We own this space now. This is us. It's O-Shamp. It's faux nautical theme and farming. That's our brand now. Boom. Own it. So I actually just got a message from... Uh, our marketing team says, I have some bad news. Uh, apparently, Clarkson's phone got cancelled yesterday. <laughs> no. Oh, no. Hey, at least we can't claim responsibility for that because if that happened like a couple of days later, I'd be like, oh, we did this web show. People got the word out and they're like, look at these idiots like it. It can't possibly be good. And then they canned it. Do you know, you know, you know what? If anything, you know, Clarkson can be quite annoying as a human being. I think everyone who's watched him would agree with that. But that that endeared to me too. It made me yeah. like 
you know, so there you go. God knows he does need the money. So too, too funny. Well, Rob, this, this was super fun. I always, always love catching up with you. Uh, I think this was a, a really, really interesting subject and uh, it's fun to just take a new angle uh, on the business world. And I don't have any other digital guru experts who also, uh, you know, have a farming uh, degree uh, <laughs> and, and come from that world. So you're by far the, the smartest and most charming person I know that has that background because you're in fact the only one, but that's okay. <laughs> it's like I say to my seven-year-old daughter, you're my favorite seven-year-old daughter. She went, oh, yeah, perfect. Exactly right. So I would like to thank everyone who's taken the time to tune in today. Again, great thing you can do to help us uh, support the show is give us a like, tell your friends about it. Uh, anything you can do to put the good word out there uh, helps us to keep producing great content uh, week after week. And Rob, you know, you can check out uh, Group of Humans at groupofhumans.com and uh, learn more about Rob and his business. Fascinating, fascinating guy. Uh, Rob, uh, thank you again for, for coming to the show today. Cheers, Freddie. Thanks, man. I'll see you. Thank you, everybody. My pleasure. Take care and have a great day, everyone. Bye. The O Ship Show is brought to you by Chameleon Collective, where we lead, scale, and adapt to build and grow great companies. You can learn more at chameleoncollective.com. Freddie will see you next time when we will once again be raising the sails for the O Ship Show.